All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, July 5th of 2023 here. Hope everybody had a good and happy 4th of July filled with some fireworks, some food, uh, whatever it may be here. I know I did, uh, but happy to be back here. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at Saber Sims, a show where we go over how to use the Saber Sim app, answer any and all DFS related questions. Questions can come in via support. You can reach us at support at sabersim.com. Questions can come in live in the YouTube chat, and questions can also come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to join up, there is a link in the description below. Get access to all of our similar channels, see when lineups are released, see when concurrent sims are kicked off and finished for that updated news, see when players are scratched, get access to the individual sport channels where members of the SaberSim team and members of the community are interacting each and every day about different types of strategies. Uh, people are posting questions with uh, concepts and getting feedback from other people in the community. So can't say enough good things about the Discord here. But with that being said, uh, today we have a 11-game MLB slate. We have Wimbledon continuing uh, to go on here. Wimbledon is from July 3rd through July 16th here. So take advantage of some of the tennis action and the tennis DFS action here. And then we also have the John Deere Classic teeing off tomorrow for PGA. Uh, nice and early tee time here. So probably building your lineups today if you are playing. So it should be plenty to talk about today. If anybody has anything on their mind, now is a great time to get those questions in. Uh, looks like Snowman is in the house. Hello, Snowman. Nice to see you been a little bit here. And uh, from there, looks like our we're going to hit our first question here uh, from Jay Sams Jr. Question said, when it comes to prop betting in the Sims, how would someone lean one way or another when it comes to betting on a prop? And second question says, if a pitcher is at 5Ks on price picks and the Sims have that pitcher at 4.9Ks, would you go closer to the over or the under? Uh, so just first note here, uh, we do have a prop plan here. If you go over to settings and my account, if you're on the Saberson Pro plan, you should see this add-on. Uh, it says NBA props. This is really just all props here. Uh, we'll get this updated, but this should say uh, just, just props in general. So we, have, we had NBA props for NBA season. We have MLB props. We plan on having NFL props, et cetera, here. So year-round prop plan available on the pro plan. Uh, if you're looking for props, you know, I would I would much rather take advantage of that because we are, you know, we understand what the pitcher's uh, K rates are. We understand how to balance that with the lines. And, you know, we are doing our due diligence with uh, – Kelly criterion formulas and, and optimal bet sizing, et cetera here. So, you know, we can handle that information and juggle it a lot better than just coming into the app and looking at what a player's, um, you know, their K line is versus what is the line versus, uh, you know, what, what number do you need to, to be profitable on price picks? Right. So there's a lot of math that goes into price picks and, you know, basically you're looking for like, bets that are a uh win percentage around like minus 137 which is like 57 58 percent depending on whether you're doing a flex play or a power play or you know is it a two three four pick is it a is it a five six pick right so all these different things uh lead to different 
win percentages needed in order for that bet to be profitable long-term, right? So uh, in, in your example, you know, if the line is five and we're at 4.9, so so really, you know, if you get five, it's a push. So you really need six uh, to win here. So I would, I would definitely probably just avoid that line in general here. I don't, I don't love the even lines uh, really much, much at all here. I think they're a little deceiving, right? You're, you're pushing as opposed to getting to six, which is where you're going to end up being uh, need to get in order to win here. So uh, be careful, uh, study the math. You know, I've done my due diligence with finding different places that kind of break down the math and figuring out, you know, best ways to, uh, bet those things here, but all in all, uh, I would say take advantage of our prop plans here. NBA props were really good. MLB props have been a lot more up and down here, but uh, been been trending in the right direction here. I'd probably say like the second uh, quarter of of this uh, first half of the season. So that is all I have on that question. And next question here from Jim. Jim said, uh, what do you think about building more lineups than you need than using unique rank to have Sabersim to choose the best lineups? So a little confused here, but what I will say is that, you know, we are always building more lineups than you need, right? So if you're used to like other optimizers, you know, if you, if you ask for 150 lineups, you're going to get 150 lineups here, right? But with SaberSim, you know, you you if you're going to ask for 150 lineups, we're still going to build you a pool of lineups, right? So the default pool is 500. If you're on the pro plan, you can build up to 5,000. So this gives you so much optionality here uh, in the post build to adjust exposures, to, you know, get to different team stacks, et cetera, right? Different types of stack types. So uh, I'm just going to run a build here so we have something to talk about. But uh, one here. So we are always building you more lineups than you need. Uh, secondly here, maybe this is what the question was, was referring to here overall. Let me read this. So shady respondent said the recommended workflows to build the 5,000 lineup pool on the pro plan and then use your preferred sorting metric to get the best and then use unique random to fill should always be building as many as your plan or time allows for. Uh, so so just to build on that a little bit, uh, whatever plan you're on, I do think that you should build the maximum, right? So if you're on the pro plan, you know, build 5,000, it's never going to hurt you. And then if you are on one of the old like advanced plans, you, you would have access to 1,500 lineups. If you're on the standard plan, you'd have access to 500. It is always better to build the maximum for whatever your plan allows here. Uh, the one thing that I'm thinking maybe Jim is referring to is I, you know, let's say I need one lineup, right? I'm playing one single entry here for my number of lineups, uh, it's okay to look at like the top 10 here and figure out, you know, which one of the top 10 lineups that you want to play here. Right. So this rank one is our, you know, top, uh, saber score lineup. We, we think that, you know, if you were to play this slate out a hundred thousand times, uh, this lineup would do the best over that sample size, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the EV is so different from any of these other, you know, two through 10 lineups here. So I think it's okay to open this up open up your number of lineups and then basically like go, go through and choose the lineup that you want to play. Right. Maybe you don't, you don't want a four stack, a four, four, right. Maybe you want at least a five stack. So you would get rid of your rank one and then, you know, you would, you would whittle, whittle it down from there. Right. You can do it based on stack types, based on teams, based on pitchers, uh, you know, based on lineup position, whatever, whatever you ultimately 
want here, right? So I think that it is okay to open up your number of lineups to a bigger number than the number of lineups that you are wanting to build and then whittle your way down from there. And then just another thing is that when you use unique rank, what is going to happen is that if you have a group of five contests, we're going to put your number one lineup into your first contest and then your number two lineup into your second contest descending and then third, fourth, fifth in that order, right? So what you can do is you can go into the fill entries or entry screen here and uh, move your lineups around and and uh, get the lineup that you want into the contest that you want. So maybe you want to put your top saver score lineup into your contest where has which has the highest price to first, right? So then you go into your entries tab, you uh, move your contest with the highest price to first into the number one slot. And then, you know, you move all your contests around otherwise, and then you can understand which lineup is going into which contest. And that gives you a little more control, right? If you use unique random and you have five lineups, five contests, your fifth lineup can go into your highest contest. Your, you know, second lineup can go into your fourth contest. It is random. You are uh, accepting a little more variance in that way. But ultimately, I like unique random. And the reason for that is because you avoid some, what I would call like clustering here. So we're going to have, you know, it looks like we like the Mets today, you know, three of our, our top three exposures in this 10 lineups with no further adjustments are all Mets hitters. And our top two lineups both have Mets stacks, right? So uh, the builder is going to identify a place that it likes and try and get to as much of them as it can sometimes. So by using unique random, uh, you can get a little more, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, diversity in your lineup sets here, right? So that's one reason to use unique random. All right. Thank you, Shady, for jumping in there. And Jim, for the good question. Uh, another question here in the Office Hours channel. Question says, if everybody's most likely outcome, if every batter's most likely outcome is zero fantasy points, how does the sim give them a projected fantasy point total here? So let's go back to the home screen and uh, let's, you know, see what we're talking about to start with here, right? So if I go to batter's, and I go to Ronald Acuna, what this is, this is his range of outcomes across the Sims. This is how he performs in all of our simulations for this game, right? Uh, what you can see is that, you know, 21% of the time, he is scoring zero fantasy points, right? But he has this big tail event to the right where he has all of these other outcomes. They're at a lesser degree here, but sometimes, you know, he's going to have these 1% of Sims where he scores 35 points and has, you know, two home runs, a walk in a stolen base, whatever it may be, right? So ultimately, all of these range of outcomes, uh, when you add them up together and divide by the number, you find the mean here, comes out to 11.89. But if you come into the graph here, you know, he's actually only getting to his projection about 12% of the time in the Sims, which is, which is really low, right? Uh, incredibly low, 1.2 out of 10 times here. So it is important to, you know, understand this range of outcomes and when we go to build your lineups and then we can figure out, you know, what is the likelihood that these players reach their range of outcomes, right? And we try and take advantage, uh, try and try and account for that with our adjusted ownership here. So what our adjusted ownership is, basically we look at the ownership for the, for the player in question. And then we look at their range of outcomes to see how wide of a range of outcomes the player has. And then we will either inflate or deflate their ownership to account for that range of outcomes here. So in the post build, we are negatively weighting ownership here. So ownership is a 
bad thing in the post build, the higher the ownership, uh, the less of a player we're going, the less time we're going to roster a player in general here. So by, by increasing the player's adjusted ownership by this adjusted ownership number being bigger than their ownership, what we're saying is like, Hey, uh, uh, Ronald Acuna, you know, he's, he's owned a lot, but really we want to be careful with the amount of times that we put this player into your lineups. So we're going to give them a higher adjusted ownership number here. That way, when we go to grade your lineups in the post build and Saber score is looking at the ownership of these lineups, uh, the lineups with him, it looks like the ownership is greater than it is. So he is going to be hurt. He's going to be put into fewer lineups because he has this higher adjusted ownership number. And that is our way of saying, hey, this player's range of outcomes is very wide. So be careful not putting him into all of your lineups, thinking he is a smash button play to reach this uh, mean projection that you see here in the home screen. That is what we are trying to accomplish here, right? And then if you go and look at like a pitcher, uh, their range of outcomes is going to be much more normally distributed. Their most likely outcome is going to be a lot closer to their mean projection here. So their adjusted ownership is going to be much closer to their actual projected contest ownership here. So uh, we are doing our best to take, an, uh, in, take that information into account here when constructing your lineups, when giving you lineups in the post build and, and managing your exposures. All right. Uh, next question here uh, is from Jim. I'll, I'll probably make this one quick here. Jim said, can you do a build for a max three today? Would just like to see your process in evaluating the slate. Um, so my, my process is like a little long, a little uh, longer here than, than I kind of want to go through overall here. I've done some uh, streams in the last week or so, I would say in relation to this topic. So if you go to playlist, you go to how to beat MLB DFS in 2023. We have a video, watch a Saber Sim coach build winning MLB DFS lineups. This is Jordan's process. It's like a 30 minute video of him walking through and narrating his process from start to finish here. Uh, if you go to playlist, you go down to the office hours playlist here. And there is a video uh, about two weeks ago, a walkthrough of Andrew's MLB DFS process. Uh, I think we had a little time here and I walked through, you know, a couple of research builds, a couple of builds here where I am, you know, talking through what I'm looking for on a slate here. So you can go into this video, you can go into the timestamp here and I am going to uh, take myself off the screen for a moment so you can see the description here, but there's a, timestamp in the description where you can just click on and then go straight to the point in the video where I walk through my process. So check out this video if that is something that you are interested in here. But really, you know, my process on, on any given day is always going to be really similar here, right? Not a lot of adjustments in the home screen. The only rule I am going to use, uh, if I remember to put it on, is this group automatic rule where it's an if-then rule. So if at least one player from a team who has a uh, low home run expectation here. So with uh, requirement is home runs less than 0.1 and use at least two players from the same team. It's just a rule to kind of curate my one-offs here. No other adjustments running my build here, which I'm just going to use this one that I looked at. And then if I'm building like strictly for a three max, I'm probably going to do what I talked about in the beginning of this video is open it up to, you know, the top 10 lineups, top 20 lineups here. Uh, go into my stack types, you know, I'm going to use this right to left approach as always here. So I'm going to increase my min uniques to at least half to start. I'm going to go through my stack types, go through my team stacks, you know, the decisions I make 
about team stacks, players, pitchers, et cetera, is really going to come from some of the research that I do prior to this step. So running a research build at um, what I call like a modified correlation build where I'm cutting correlation in half using a high sim diversity, trying to get some inclinations about the slate from a build like this, uh, looking at pitchers in a zero nine build. You could probably look at pitchers in your five nine build as well. I, I, I just run two. It doesn't take me much more time to do that overall here. And then uh, trying to see what the builder thinks about the plays that I've identified, uh, if it agrees with them, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, you know, do I want to force them or not make some of those tough decisions here. But that is basically, you know, in a nutshell, what I'm trying to do on any even slate. All right. Uh, those are all the questions. Oh, actually, one more question in the Discord, and then we're going to hop over to the YouTube chat. See a lot of people are starting to tune in. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday here. Hope you all had a good 4th of July. Uh, we have two questions left, one from Snowman and then one from FV in the YouTube chat. So if anybody has any questions, just tuning in, something on your mind, now is a great time to get those questions in the queue here. But next question from Snowman. Is there a big drop-off in the summer when it comes to DFS? Where are the advantages playing in the summer? Uh, this is a really good question, right? I think that, you know, summer is one of the slower times of the year for DFS in general here. Uh, you know, probably the busiest time is a fall and, and winter when you have NFL and NBA going on simultaneously here. That's definitely one of the busiest times of the year. But I think that the summer is a really good time for niche sports, right? So you have... You have a lot of League of Legends going on. You have a lot of CSGO. Like I said, we have tennis going on. Uh, we have NASCAR basically every Sunday. We have MMA most Saturdays. We have Formula One on, on some Sundays here. We have, you know, just, just a lot going on. We support a lot of these uh, sports here. We also have golf every week, right? So summer, you're not going to get, you know, the the big three sports with, with football and NBA going on all the time, right? No hockey as well, but you do still have a lot of sports to play. So if you're interested in, in you know, summer DFS sports, uh, some of these smaller sports here, Jordan did a video recently on the YouTube doing different things. I'm just going to go over so to that quick. You guys here. are, let me get rid of this. Uh, if you go to videos and then it'll always go latest, how to learn a new DFS sport. You know, summer is a great time of the year to learn a new DFS sport, whether it is and any any one of the sports that I talked about here, I think that you know you could work on learning a new sport in the summer and trying to take advantage of these smaller lobbies and build up a bankroll uh, prior to you know some of these bigger sports returning here, right? So I think the summer is a great time to to learn and grow as a DFS player in general here, and I think that you could take advantage of some of these smaller uh, niche sports and lobbies overall. All right. Question from Fe in the YouTube chat. Any recommended main unique number to focus on when building PGA lineups, or is it sometimes better to reduce player exposures when it is really high above 80%, for example? Great question. Let's go over to golf for today. We will talk about this a little bit here. So just going to make my two adjustments, two projections in the home screen, and then just uh, run my build here. So not a lot I'm, I'm doing in the – in the home screen as well for golf either. I think our teams work really hard on our projections and ownership and they do a lot more than I can do. I think fine tune adjustments are great, especially like for, for ownership, you know, players getting steam. If you're uh, keeping up with different DFS articles that, that different companies 
are releasing. You could probably make some intuitive adjustments to ownership for players that are getting steam, et cetera, here. But for the sake of this example, not going to make any adjustments. Let's say I'm only building uh, for 20 lineups here. And, you know, I'm getting some exposure to some guys at a pretty high clip here. So first part of the question, any recommended mini unique number to focus on? So the answer is, is no here, not a specific mini unique number. What I will say is always remember that, you know, the number of mini uniques that you use should always be in relation to the number of players in your lineup, right? So for MLB, you know, I always say like, hey, I'm going to use, you know, mini uniques of five because there's about 10 players. There is 10 players in a DraftKings MLB lineup here. You know, you can't do that for for golf, right? Five players are going to be five out of six here. Probably going to be really high. But I think it's okay to um, test the mini uniques. And then what I like to do is see how far down in my pool it takes me here, right? So if I go from to mini uniques three, which would be half of my uh, half of my six player lineup, that only takes me to lineup twenty six out of five hundred, still in the top you know five percent of my pool here. So I'm totally okay using a mini unique of three here. Uh, but with that being said, you know I'm still seeing some high exposure to a couple golfers here. This really comes down to risk tolerance, right? If uh, if, if, you know, you, you use the example 80%, if that feels really high to you, it is okay to lower it. Right. So maybe to me, maybe I feel like 40% is, is the max for me personally and my risk tolerance. So I'm going to lower Nick Taylor and Cam Young down to 40% to match some of these other golfers here. And then the exposure comes down, which is great. The one thing that I do want to check is how far down on my pool that I have to go to get to those players. So I'm only at lineup 52, still about the top 10% of my pool. I'm okay with this. Let's say that those max exposure uh, ceilings here, you know, combined with my mini uniques of three brought me really far down in the pool. What I could do is I could drop my mini uniques back down to two here and then let the builder uh, get to some higher lineups in my pool here. And, you know, this ended up getting me a couple players over 40%. So I'm just going to adjust them down as well here, right? So uh, kind of a uh, touch and go process, you know, see what it's looking like, see if these lineups are passing the eye test for you at the bottom ranges here. But but that is the balance that I would be trying to strike with mini uniques and how far down I'm going in my pool and my top exposures to players. All right, next question from Alan. Alan said, do the amount of mini uniques vary between slate sizes? Is there a magic number? So so no, there's definitely not a magic number. And the first part of the question, does the mini, amount of mini uniques vary between slate sizes? Yes. So, you know, a, a three-game turbo MLB slate, you're probably going to get to less mini uniques than a large 11-game classic slate, right? So what I always like to do is see how far down in my pool it is taking me. I like, I'm somebody who likes to stay within like the top 50% of my pool here. Uh, reason being is that because, you know, I like to value Saber score here. So Saber score is building, we're, what we're doing is we're building 500 lineups. And then after the lineups are built, Saber score is going in and then moving them up or down based on the Saber score formula here, right? So in theory, your your last generated lineup could be your number one Sabre score lineup here, right? So that is why we say, you know, build as many lineups as you can because you don't know when that best lineup is going to be generated here. And it, and it could be that lineup that gets moved to the top. So I like to value my sorting metric and try and play uh, 
try and keep that in mind when deciding how far down in my pool I want to go to get to some of the plays that I ultimately want to play. But definitely no magic number. Going to depend on slate size, sport, etc. here, uh, which way you decide to go with that. Uh, Deshaun Walker said, for MLB, do you ever mess with the salary like with min salary? Do you ever lower it? Uh, really good question here. So our min salary is set to 49000 at a default here. This is just to protect users and make sure that they're getting to higher projected plays on average here. So, you know, in general, higher projected plays are, are going to be better. Um, but that that's not to say that you can't lower this, right? I've definitely experimented with lowering this a couple thousand dollars, right? So I think that um, it's okay to do 45,000. I've talked to sharp players who they put this at zero and they really trust the projections that they're using, um, the the builder overall here. I think that, you know, you can do an experiment, which I've done here, I'll do it right now, where you set min salary to zero, you build lineups, and then you go and see what the lowest salary lineups you are getting are. So you could see, you know, where the cutoff was at, and then you could look at those lineups at the bottom salary ranges and then see, uh, do they pass the eye test for you, right? And then you can make an adjustment as to what you think the min salary should be for you going forward and what type of lineups that you want to see, right? So this build is finishing up. Let's get into the post build and let's experiment, uh, finish this experiment. Okay, so what I would do is I would go to over to the sorting metric and then I would change it to salary. It's going to sort uh, highest to lowest here, so highest salary to lowest. So all you have to do is uh, go back to the sorting metric, click on salary again, and then the arrow will change and it'll go lowest salary to highest here. So our lowest salary lineup at a zero min salary threshold here comes in at 38,800 salary here. And then, um, you know, you can analyze this lineup, right? One thing that sticks out to me is that it is a big 5-3 stack still, and we are just getting to a low-owned Pirates team here. So we have players 3, 4, 5, 6, 8 from the Pirates here. So all really close together, you know, 3, 4, 5, 6, skip 7. You have this 8 hitter here. And then we have this 7, 8, 9 stack from the Blue Jays here. So a bottom of the order stack for the Blue Jays here. And then getting to... Josiah Gray and Patrick Sandoval here. So this lineup still highly correlated, still highly stacked, uh, playing a lot of players close in the order together, but just playing a lot of cheap hitters overall here, right? So not sure who is pitching for the Dodgers. I know they've been having pitcher issues overall. So let's go to pitchers, sort by projected. Dodgers are uh, pitching. Bobby Miller uh, is a rookie. I, I think he's done fairly well here, but, you know, still – in his, in his youth, uh, you know, maybe, you know, there are obviously some Sims where the Pirates get to Bobby Miller and he has a bad game, right? That's totally viable on this slate. So uh, see what these lineups look like, and then you can figure out, you know, where you want to make that threshold cutoff if that is something that you want to do. But I think that, you know, ultimately min salary at zero is totally viable if, if that's in your wheelhouse. All right. Uh, we are all caught up with questions at the moment here. So while we wait for any last questions to come in, I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that if you guys are not playing over on owner's box, I would highly take advantage of our promotion. So 
We partnered with Owners Box at the beginning of the MLB season here. We were the first major optimizer to support Owners Box contest. They are a smaller up-and-coming DFS site here. I, I have a feeling that they're going to get a lot of traction when football and NBA return in the fall. But for the moment, you know, a lot of their contests overlay. You can find contests where they are paying you to play. You can find contests that are rake-free. And you can find contests where they have reduced rake. Uh, a lot of the competition is going to be softer than what you're going to find on DraftKings, FanDuel, or Yahoo. When you use promo code Saber or SaberSim when you sign up, one, you can get a $500 deposit bonus. Two, we will track your entry fees and you can earn free months of SaberSim just by playing over on Owner's Box and nothing else. So each time you hit one of our entry fee thresholds and you decide to cash in on that uh prize here we will reset your tracking to zero we will apply apply your free month of whatever plan you have reached and then you can start earning right away towards your next month there is no limit on the amount of credit that you can earn so take advantage of this promotion while it lasts here but with that being said looks like we are all caught up with questions at the moment not seeing anything else coming in if you guys are building lineups throughout the day question pops in your head Drop it in the Office Hours channel. Let it sit there until tomorrow. Gets us a steady queue of questions to get started with for our next show. But until then, take care. Good luck in your contest. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.